0: has the sun set in phoenix have the heat been smothered and houston we have some potential welcome to in the lab with hoopsology i'm matt thomas he's justin goodrum let's start the show Welcome to In The Lab with Hoopsology. If you made it through that corny intro, I thank you for still being here. But hey, what can I say? I, I can't resist you know, some good f- puns, some good wordplay there. I am joined by my co-host. You know him. You love him. Justin Goodrum. Justin, how are you doing, man?
1: Good, man. How about yourself?
0: I am doing great. I spent, those of you on video... Can see and uh, laugh at my slight little sunburn here that I've got going on. I spent a lot of time outside yesterday. Uh, Does not hurt, but it's it's very visible. (laughs) My face is beat red. Not just about excitement from the playoffs and what we're going to talk about, unfortunately. But I'm doing well, man. Can't complain. How about you?
1: Um, good, man. Just you know, watching the playoffs. Nothing new, just uh, kinda crazy. You know, talk about weather. It's like 81 degrees here and tomorrow's a big snowstorm up here in Denver. So, oh this, wow. The global warming continues. <laughs> That's <laughs> what's happening, so. I guess uh, so. Yeah,
0: it's <laughs> been in the 90s here in New Mexico. I yeah. mean, it already feels like we're starting off in June mm-hmm. uh, a little bit early. So I definitely can relate Uh, before we dive into these topics. And we do, once again, have a lot to catch up on and a lot of fun things to cover tonight. Um, But I I do want to direct our listeners, uh, encourage you all to subscribe if you're not subscribed already. If you are, we thank you so much for supporting the show. Last week, we recapped uh, kind of the, the middle of the second round and some of the controversy with Memphis um we also had a great conversation with the new york post dexter henry that would still be a very fun listen if you haven't had a chance to catch that yet i encourage you to go back and listen uh and we have some big interviews coming up uh some that will likely be dropping early next week so stay tuned for that just a little tease as far as that goes um let's get into it we like i said we we do indeed have a lot to cover um, look, the Celtics for a second consecutive round, we can just start with this quickly and then we'll move on to Phoenix Celtics for a second consecutive round have, uh, proven me wrong, uh, <laughs> proven, proven us wrong. Uh, you know, I, I basically picked the bucks thinking even without Chris Middleton, Giannis was going to be too much to contain was really betting on Giannis wasn't really disappointed with his performance at all no real regrets about that pick but I'm I'm very impressed with the Celtics we'll talk about them more in a little bit but did you have any quick thoughts just regarding that Milwaukee Boston Celtics series I mean I think home court advantage in game seven uh a huge factor or at least a helpful factor, but really both of these game sevens at the end of round two, n- not much of a competition after a certain point. I mean, the, the Bucks Celtics a little bit more competitive for longer than, uh, than the game we're about to talk about. But, uh, any, uh, leftover thoughts on Milwaukee, Boston?
1: Um, not much like I'll echo your sentiments didn't have too much faith in the Celtics just based on a previous history. Um, I am happy for them just to see them have this type of success. And as a recording of this podcast, they have tied up the series with the Miami Heat, so that's pretty cool to see. Um, with the Bucs, yeah, that was Chris Middleton being out. That really put a lot more of the pressure on Giannis, and I think you saw that with fatigue, him just missing a lot of these easy shots towards the basket and cost him. And it's interesting because <clears throat> we'll get to the Suns, but it's kind of like the opposite Um, In terms of both conferences, I mean, if you take a look at Milwaukee, you know. They're missing, you know, a lot of their key stars, including Chris Middleton, um, and they, you know, paid the price. But you take a look at the Dallas Mavericks; they may not have this much depth, but they end up destroying the Phoenix Suns. So it's kind of like um, two opposites there. But no, um, not much to add. Just happy that um, Boston's able to go to the Eastern Conference Finals, and let's see if they can kind of put up or shut up. I mean, this has been a team forever um, filled with championship potential and this seems to be the year um, to win it all just based on who's left totally uh let me ask you this
0: you know it it seems like and and i don't mean to downplay what jason tatum has done he has been great this playoffs I, i think that's that's undeniable he's been a pretty steady hand for the celtics and and he's been their top dog no doubt do you think he's getting a little too much play for for his ascension into the league here, or do you think it's about appropriate, the level of hype he's getting? I mean, obviously, they're having success, so you got to pat him on the back to some extent. Do you think it's a little overblown? I guess, you know, state my bias, I, I do feel that way a little bit. Um, how do you feel about it?
1: <clears throat> I think it's TBD. Um, I think this Eastern Conference uh, Finals, I think this is the, the series to see, and if they mm. advance... You know, ultimately, this could really push him into that superstar direction. I'm kind of in the camp you are, Matt. However, I think I'm more on kind of the wait and see as opposed to thinking he's, you know, slightly overrated. Um, I've always liked this game. I think he has true superstar potential. Um, I like, you know, him and his son. I think that's pretty cool. Pre-game, so he has kind of like that social media kind of coolness factor, kind of like Steph in terms of those intangibles. Um, But... In terms of his game, I mean, this is where you prove it. I think – I forgot who it was. I think it was on TNT. They were talking about Jimmy Butler and Mm -hmm. how he just steps up his game when there's more pressure. And Mm -hmm. we're going to see what happens with Tatum. I mean, this is a true stress test. And so if he falters, then I think we we can not put him in that class yet. So um, I think this is a good – kind of stress test and kind of proof case to see if he's really worth all the hype that he's been getting online. Yeah, I,
0: I hear you. I, I think what the the Celtics defense gets talked about a lot as well. I do think that is the main story. And I think the, the mental toughness of this team that is improved, I think because of uh, coach Yudoka Yudoka, excuse me. Uh, I think that's the real story of this team that, he has challenged those players and toughened them up. This was not a team with a lot of mental toughness uh, really the past several years. And now this is a team that's resilient. They're battle-tested through these first two series here. And we just saw tonight, you know, they punched, they counter-punched right back, uh, dropping that first game to the Heat, but then coming back tonight and blowing them out in Miami. So I think that's really kind of, I guess, what I would attribute to their success. Certainly Jason Tatum... I think what I would say at this point is there's no debate. Like, are we going to trade Tatum or trade Brown? You know, if it came down to that, like it's, it's totally Jason Tatum has established himself as the one, a player on, on this roster, but uh, those are great points. And and yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, we have this fantastic Jimmy versus Jason uh, sort of thing happening in this heat Celtics series. And that's going to be, Uh, a lot of fun to keep track of and and see who comes out on top uh, as far as that goes more on the conference finals in a minute. I want to transition over to, I would say in some ways the most shocking in many ways, the most disappointing uh, playoff game of (laughs) this series where the Phoenix Suns apparently just laid down and died. I mean, Uh, If uh, you watched it, it it was really strange. Uh, It was also going around that, you know, at halftime, the Phoenix Suns had 27 points and so did Luka Doncic of the Mavericks at at halftime. So pretty crazy stuff. The Suns get blown out in their last game in this series. I do want to see if I can pull up that uh, specific result. 123 to 90 and really sounds strange, but that is uh, closer than the game actually Agreed. felt. Agreed. <laughs> so look, uh, you and I both, it's its no secret. We've been rooting all year for the Suns kind of, uh, I mean, the Suns aren't either of our favorite teams, but our close friend, Josh, is a huge diehard fan. We wanted that for him. So it's disappointing. He's handled it like a champ. But also, you know, just kind of a a tortured franchise in general. We have fond memories of the Suns in the 90s, fond memories I'm sure many have of the Steve Nash Suns, a team that has been in contention once in a blue moon and we're just kind of hoping could get over the top. But um, I, I guess first, let me ask you about this Aiden situation cuz there there's some weirdness, some drama going on. We know it started at the beginning of the season in not offering him a contract extension. Um where do you think the team is with Aiden and what do you think they should do with him? He is an unrestricted free agent. So other teams can send him offer sheets. The Suns have the option to match it. How do you think they should handle this? Should they bring him back? Should this be at all costs should it be at a certain cap limit just give me your thoughts on Aiden real quick
1: I like his game I think they should keep him I think he's a huge piece with Devin Booker for their future I think unless there's some kind of huge blockbuster trade they can pull off and I think Phoenix you know I mean I'm trying to think of the last besides Chris Paul um, mm-hmm. I mean, they the free agents they've got, what, what, I think it was, I'm trying to think, Steve Nash, um, kind of back in the day. And I'm trying to think, who else from another trade? Amari uh, Stoudemire, they drafted him, didn't they? Um, or, <clears throat> I'm I trying to so. remember. Yeah. Okay. yeah, I'm pretty so, sure he was a draft pick. Really, they haven't gone it's not a free agent or a trade destination for sure so i think sure. aiden's proved that especially in the finals last year he is a valuable commodity and to get rid of him i think would be a mistake
0: in my mm. opinion and uh does that extend to max contract value oh boy uh because <laughs> i mean yeah. folks like woge Zach Lowe, I believe, uh, are pretty dead set on he's going to get offered the max. If So so the difference would be if Phoenix lets him go and, and seek out offer sheets, do what he wants, other teams can only offer him four years of the max, whereas the Suns could offer him a five-year max yeah. deal. Uh, do you bring him back if it's max contract? Like So if a team offers him the max, Suns have to either
1: match it or pass on him. I just think if you pass on him, what are gonna be the ramifications of the franchise moving forward? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's proven, I mean, Chris Paul, whatever you think about him, the bottom line is that he his time is limited in the league. Oh, sure. so you have Devin Booker. So and it's very clear that he needs help. And so by those pieces within the next, you know. Uh, let's just play out the best case scenario five years which i i think with chris paul he'll be retired before then let's just give him another five years that's a hypothetical situation Mm -hmm. i just to me it's just like worse he's not gonna have any help and i think if Mm -hmm. you're building a franchise i think it's worth giving him the super max now it's a risk and i know that might be a non-popular opinion but what's what's the alternative i mean you would just I mean, what they have to build through the drafts, trades. That's not really their game at this point. And also, the Sarver thing is a factor. I mean, if you take a look at the scandal, I mean, if you're trying to get free agents, and this scandal's kind of over the head of this franchise, do you want to play for Phoenix? I don't well, you think mm-hmm. so. Mm-hmm. So I think all of those are factors in, you know, trying to keep the foundation as much as possible, at least with Aiden and um, Devin Booker.
0: Yeah. That's the important unknown of this whole thing is we could still have things come out, yeah. um, from this investigation that's been ongoing this entire season. Uh, could be some of the reason for the drama for that last game, but that's all speculation at this point. Yeah, that's, that's true. Um, let me ask you this, and this isn't really a fair question because Aiden is younger, obviously. Um, so, so I temper expectations with that a little bit. Um, do you like Aiden
1: as much as Rudy Gobert? I want to be honest. I'm not the biggest fan of Rudy Gobert. I just mm-hmm. think <clears throat> they were talking about it on, um, what's it called? Inside the NBA. Um, and I think Shaq had, a, I think, a good point. Like, you can't score. I mean, he's great mm-hmm. defensively. But at this point, you need to be a two-way player to be a superstar. And I think DeAndre Aiden, he may not be, the in terms of defense, you pick Rudy Gobert, but as a two way player, I'm going to pick DeAndre Aiden. I mean, mm. so point, you are
0: higher on him than Gobert.
1: I think so. I just, and look what's happened in Utah. I mean, where's their success? At least the Suns made the finals, <laughs> you know? And then with Aiden, he was a big part of that. So, I mean, I think it's pretty clear, despite like the awards of, you know, being this all around best defensive player going to Rudy Gobert. Um, yeah. I would go with Aiden, in my
0: opinion gotcha. Yeah, and and I guess the reason I bring that question up is we see what's been going on with Utah. We see how that's yeah. kind of flamed out and I'm wondering if the if the Suns are kind of the higher tier version of that where are they going to get locked into a max contract with Aiden and then kind of their ceiling is established kind of like Utah's is with Gobert yeah. being one of their max contract players, you know. Well, I do agree yeah. with you. I think Aiden has a lot more potential as, um, sort of, uh, more star power and, and as a threat on offense than Rudy Gobert, especially at this point with Gobert, I believe being 29 or so and Aiden being much younger than that. Um, I, and I'll be honest, I, I don't know what I would do if I are the Suns in the, in the off season. I mean, I definitely think I'm not offering you the five-year max. Uh, I would prefer to get Aiden at like 20 million a year, but I don't think that's, that's what the market will dictate. Someone's going to offer him more per year than that. And you're going to be having to make this decision. Do (laughs) is Deandre Aiden worth, you know, I I don't know what the number will be, but 35 to 40 million a year or something like that. Uh, And I think you're right. And you bring up a great point, not a historically great free agency team. So you may just have to sign him and hope that he develops. Um. So I guess the, um, next question I had for you is, is the window still open for this team as a top level contender? So let's say, let's define that specifically as a home court advantage in the first round level contender for next season. Would you pick them in the top four? Uh, let's say, you know, let's say they are able to keep Ayton, Are they still a top four seat in the West?
1: I think so. I don't really see the Western Conference changing dramatically where they're bumped off like that. So I feel you. I think the question is with this team is how bad is this loss going to stick with them? I mean, this yeah. is not just, you know, yeah. a loss in game seven. I mean, I think most fans are understanding of like, hey, you know, you have a bad shooting night, it doesn't go <laughs> your way, whatever. They got annihilated. And, not, right. and honestly, <laughs> I was just looking at it because I caught the game. I didn't see all the game. I caught it, like, the second half. And their effort was atrocious. Like, mm-hmm. and I think we – let's just keep it real. We, we talked about this in our text change in terms of the Sarver investigation. They, it looked like they didn't want to be out there. Because in the NBA, in this day and age, I would say 20 points or less is kind of like the average in terms of a blowout. Mm-hmm. And if you're d- getting destroyed in a game seven by 30 – Forty points, something's up with that leadership. We, I mean, I saw Phoenix play here against Denver. That's a competitive team. They want to win. Like that is they did not. They didn't try. Like this. Let's just be real about it. When you're getting beat that much, that's a, a college score <laughs> in a college game. College blowout that we mm-hmm. witnessing at Game Seven. And honestly, I think the the blood is on Chris Paul's hands for this. I mean, just taking mm. a look at—I don't know if you're going to ask me about Chris Paul or not. I might be jumping the gun a little bit, but just tying it into next season. I mean, if you're other players on this team, I mean, you take a look at it. Um, he's blown five two to zero um, series leads in the playoffs. I mean, mm-hmm. and this one is the worst <laughs> by yeah. far, just yeah. because of how bad this loss is. And I think there's, I mean it is weird because really Chris Paul surprisingly does dodges a lot of the hate. I feel like, you know, you Mm. take a look at James Harden, you take a look at, you know, other players in the league in terms of criticism, they are just getting torn up and really Chris Paul, I think escapes that somewhat. Mm. And so I think headed into the next season, I think you're right. I think this is kind of like a Utah jazz situation. I think your comparison to that team is correct. I just, what they do in the regular season, it's like whatever, like <laughs> what's gonna happen in the playoffs. Let's just fast forward the year until we get to March twenty twenty three. Um, because at this point it just doesn't matter um in terms of their regular season success. I do think just based on everything, <coughs> they have enough depth and I just think the way Booker is a competitor and just their mindset, I think, will lead them to get one of those top four seeds, but Something's fishy like that. I mean, a team of that caliber based on last season and based on them having the two zero lead, you don't get destroyed by 40. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's just a lack of effort. You just watch the game. Like, there's no hustle on defense. And as in the words of Charles Barkley, when there's a blowout, like, you know, throw an elbow. Like, there's some, something to assert authority. Like, you're not going to take it. That didn't mm-hmm. happen. Um, Mm -hmm. So I'm sorry about my soliloquy there, but um, I think even though they might get that top four seed um, in terms of their playoff run, I think that's just a massive question mark.
0: Yeah, no, um, all great points there. Uh, I would also add, keep in mind, Denver's going to be better next year, most likely they have a two-time MVP back to back (laughs) and he's actually going to have some more talent around him quite a bit more Um, golden state could still be strong, could drop off depending on how their health holds up. Of course, Dallas seems like they're going to get better. We get a healthy Clippers team potentially next year. I mean, Clippers have been out of the picture for all season. Uh, They could be a top four talent potential team. I I know maybe kind of a long shot. We got to see it for sure, but Coming back as a threat, I guess, is my my main point. Um, so I, I don't think I'm as confident, but I would agree that if I had to bet on it today, I probably would say they're going to still have home court advantage next year. Um, the I'm glad you bring up Chris Paul. I think the obvious need for them is a veteran point guard since they weren't able to rely on campaign. I I think they need someone that they could even maybe split time with during the regular season. And it's an interesting thing with Chris Paul because, and I think the reason he gets less criticism is because people see the numbers. They're all into the analytics. They see that he's, you know, like by the numbers, a top three point guard of all time. But I do think it's fair to criticize when Someone hasn't gone the distance, you know, so he's going to be maybe like the Peyton Manning of point guards, except Peyton Manning did win a championship Uh, or maybe um, maybe the Charles Barkley
1: of point guards is a a better comparison there. Probably worse. Um, Barkley performed at least. I Barkley
0: mean, is a beast, yeah. yeah.
1: I mean in high pressure situations it wasn't his fault. So. And
0: look, of of course, I mean both you and I think Chris Paul's game is awesome. He's a legend. Yeah. But in terms of a lot of people that I've seen have put him like above Magic Johnson and and <laughs> like all these legendary players just because of his analytics and like his his PR and things like that that he's able to do, but I'm sorry, not not for me. Um if he can't uh, win a title, uh, I it's think not those even in winning the title matter. It's just and performance. playoff performance too. It's just yeah.
1: performance because I think right I mean, people understand circumstances. But like, I mean, we take you evaluates of these five series in which they blow. They, he's teams have blown a 2-0 series lead. I think the person that's ahead of them is Blake Griffin. I mean, yeah, I just. It's, I don't know how you could put him above Magic Johnson when, granted, his stats might be better, but <laughs> right. Magic has great stats himself and has multiple championships and MVPs. Like, I don't... I mean, it's pretty obvious to me, but...
0: Right. Yep. Uh, so, going to be a fascinating offseason in Phoenix, and uh, we'll we'll see what they can do. Obviously, that roster is still stacked, um, but the, the Aiden drama is going to kind of be one of the, uh, main running storylines of this off season. See how that shakes out. Um, so let's move into the conference finals. Uh, I'm still calling round two, round two on nba.com. Apparently I, I'm supposed to call that the conference semifinals. I, I'd never hear anyone. Uh, other than online here call it the conference semis i, I always yeah. call it round two Me i don't too. know about you I call it round two. Yeah. <laughs> um so we of course we've already mentioned it so let's go ahead and get into it just kind of finish our thoughts on miami and boston um this is now tied one to one and i'm gonna go ahead and pull up our picks that we posted here on twitter you can check the date on that if you don't believe us all right we posted this before the series started. Um, Justin, you had Boston in six. I had Boston in five, just thinking that with the competition they've been through, I don't see Miami adding up to that. And Miami's been through softer competition, rightfully so, because they are the one seed. Uh, how are you feeling about your pick, Boston in six right now? Do you see more potential for the Heat to win it? Less potential after this uh, this kind of drubbing they went through tonight? How are you seeing this playing out? Still feeling good about Boston and six?
1: Um, still feeling good. I would say if you take a look at the bubble, I mean the Miami Heat are probably the most disrespected team in the league. And that includes myself. <laughs> like I have totally disrespected yeah. him. And that's why I picked Boston and <laughs> six, just because I think the Heat are gonna cause some problems. And I just think, you know, Tyler Hero shown huge improvement, I think. Um, in game two. Um his stats weren't that great. He scored eleven points. Um Butler still had a great game. But the key is it's really Tyler Hero and you know Bam Adebayo. I mean, he has six points. I mean, if the Heat are going to have any success, they have to play better. But that's due to you know the Celtics' defense. I mean, they have one of the best defenses in the league, um, and so I just think because of that, because of the superstar potential, um, that equals them advancing to the the NBA Finals. But don't, don't, don't underestimate the Miami Heat, and we've seen Boston be inconsistent. I mean, so anything can happen, but I, I feel pretty good. Um, but I think it's going to be some contentious games. I think it's going to be, we'll see some closer, um, scores, but I think at the end of the day, Boston will pull it out.
0: Yeah, I'm with you. And I, I really do feel like game one, we'll, we'll talk about the uh, Mavericks and Warriors in a second year, but I do feel like game one of both of these series is kind of a wash. Don't, don't, uh, Put too much in those games. Uh, don't put too much in Boston being blown out because let's keep in mind they went through a pretty grueling seven game series, whereas the Heat came in rested and with home court advantage. So the fact that they bounced back in this game, too, actually makes me even more confident about my Boston and five pick. I definitely think Boston is winning the series at this point. They got that game in Miami that they needed to get to me. It's a question of whether it's going to be in five or six, of course, wouldn't surprise me at all. Most series do go longer than five games uh, this, this late in the year uh, and in the playoffs, but I, I could easily see them pulling off, you know the sweep the next couple games. I I could see them taking their wins at home, and then Miami's so deflated they just go ahead and finish the series out, even if it's in Miami. Um, so uh, keep in mind also in Game One they were uh, further to that point they were resting Marcus Smart. They uh, were resting Al Horford more. Al Horford was a huge part of that last series. Agreed. So yeah, I'm totally with you and it's It's hard to imagine um a path for Miami to win this at this point, I guess unless Jimmy Butler just really goes insane in one of those games in Boston at least, and they can drag this out to seven games and and get the win at home. But to me, Jason Tatum is at this point a bigger talent as well, and this is why. I picked Boston in not not only that level of competition, but also I think the top player in this series is Jason Tatum at this point, although Jimmy Butler was amazing in game one. And I I think um, even if Jimmy Butler is able to match Jason Tatum for a little bit, he's going to wear down quicker than Jason Tatum or should um, given the age difference. Um, So yeah, I, I really just see almost everything in Boston's favor um, and a better defensive team, as good of a defensive team as Miami is Boston's better. So, and I say this fully as someone who would like to see the heat win this series, but I just mm. don't, don't think it's going to happen at yeah. this point. I agree. Um, let's discuss Dallas and golden state. And then we can talk a little bit about Luca. Um, so golden state has one game one. I mean, Quite literally smacked Dallas on the face, especially Luka Doncic. I'm sure you saw that gnarly scratch on his face. He Mm -hmm. said he didn't mind. He said it made him look tough. (laughs) Uh, Pretty funny comment from Luka Doncic. Let's take a look at the final score of that game it was 112 to 87 in golden state again i would say don't put too much stock into that game one because dallas let's keep in mind even though it was a blowout they did go seven games against phoenix that was a tough series up until that last game so I i could see dallas bouncing back in game two as well They are not as battle-tested. They are not as experienced as the Boston Celtics, so it would be more of a surprise to me if they did the same thing Boston just did and had the turnaround blowout in Game 2. But I do think pulling the win off is a possibility for Dallas. Uh, We'll pull up our picks here. I had Golden State in 7. I think it was a little bit of a reactionary pick to Dallas. Downing the Phoenix Suns, which I was not expecting at all. So I did give them the respect to maybe take it to seven games. Justin, you had Golden State in six, looks pretty good at this point. How are you feeling about this series so far? And any, any impressions from that game one?
1: Yeah, I um, feel really good. I disagree with you in terms of disregarding game one. I think it's indicative what's mm. going to happen in this series. Golden mm. State just has too much depth. And I think you saw, really, Clay Thompson didn't really play that well. And you True. saw, um, you really, Steph Curry, I mean, he didn't really light it up from three-point range. But, I mean, the, what makes Golden State dangerous, and I think it's a lesson for the rest of the league, is that I think they retooled Andrew Wiggins and with Poole. I think mm-hmm. that's been a massive, massive help to this team. I mean, guess because because with Clay Thompson, I mean, his he's trying to re- recover from that injury he's suffered. and they're both streaky shooters, which that killed him, I think, in previous series. Now, you know, if they shoot poorly, you have two other guys that can carry that load. So mm-hmm. that makes them extremely dangerous compared to the Dallas Mavericks, which I always think they have to play perfect, you know, mm-hmm. you know, four times. I just don't believe that's going to happen. Whereas Golden State, you know, you saw Clay Thompson, you know, he contributed in other ways, but he didn't have a great shooting night. Same thing with Steph. Um, they can still hurt you and win and win comfortably as well. And that makes mm-hmm. Golden State extremely dangerous. Really, they haven't really shot that well. I mean, Barkley brought it, out, brought it up. They haven't really shot that well in the playoffs at all. So I think that's extremely scary. And that's why I think um, just because I respect Luca. That's why I'm really picking Golden State in six, but um, I was tempted at picking Golden State in five, but mm-hmm. um, because of Luca um, and because of I know what the guy can do, and Dallas has a great underdog mentality. Um, I think just to respect him and give him, you know, the series going six, but um, I wouldn't surprise me if, if you know, the Splash Brothers catch fire, this series could be over sooner.
0: Yeah, I think what Dallas will need to do. Uh, To be successful here, and and I agree with you, it is a much more narrow path for them to succeed. They need to look at what the 2015 Cleveland Cavaliers did to the Warriors. And when LeBron lost Kyrie Irving and lost Kevin Love in that season and was carrying that team. And uh, honestly, should have been the finals MVP, even though he lost. I'm still sticking to that. (laughs) Agreed. I agree 100% Uh, with that. Yeah, that's you know <laughs> I, maybe a hot take to some, but I, sorry, Andre Iguodala, it's pretty I, obvious. I'm not with it. <laughs> um, so, but but the point being, they need to slow down that pace and let Luca just control every possession. Uh, that Luca controlling every possession is pretty much a given for this Mavericks team, but they're going to have to stop Golden State from running. As much as they were able to do in that first game, Uh, because you're right. I mean, 112 is a high score, but it's it's not a super high score for the Golden State Warriors. And you get the feeling that 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 game they could kind of blow up like that at any point, Uh, especially for their home games where traditionally benches play better at home. Uh, If Dallas could steal a game two, that would help a ton, of course, for them, but you know that that game is coming up uh tomorrow night on TNT. Definitely going to be fascinating to see. Um so Justin, um real quick, I, I just wanted to ask about Luka Doncic. Uh he, he's kind of gone up another level in stardom I would say or or in prestige as a player in getting to the conference finals, a lot of great NBA players. I mean, look at like Tracy McGrady. Uh, A lot of great NBA players have never made it this far into the playoffs. I mean, a lot of guys, some would consider legends, Uh, a lot of um, Hall of Famers even that have not made it to the conference semifinals. Where is Luca right now? And do you see, you know, like, like, let's say he does make it to the finals, uh, this year or next year, where does he rank among stars? I I think you and I no doubt agree. He's on that top tier of talent in the league. He's only 22, which is insane. Obviously with success comes some level of notoriety, but how do you see his, I guess, star potential rising from this postseason and beyond?
1: Yeah, so I've been on the look at bandwagon. I think it's fairly obvious um, his superstar potential. I think what's going to hold him back is, you know, him being, and we talked about this, and in, I know there was a controversy with, um, I think I have trouble pronouncing his name, but Otani in Major League Baseball, you know what the whole oh, yeah. mm-hmm. controversy Um I think if you take a look <laughs> at foreign stars, and particularly stars that are not from like, I would say Britain or Ireland, they struggle here in the United States. I mean, that's mm. just a fact. And to me, people can point to like in Messi. terms of that
0: mass appeal.
1: Yeah, yeah, right. in terms of this that mass appeal, like people know Cristiano Ronaldo and I know Lionel Messi, but like are you gonna watch a La Liga game? Oh, classical probably not you're not gonna watch barcelona and real madrid when in their prime like I just mm. you probably know the names but like you know unless you're a soccer fan you're not gonna watch and i think with luca right now i mean let's let's talk about intangibles i mean can we name which um, sneaker company he's with can we name which shoe he's got I can't Can we name a commercial <laughs> he's got. I mean, it was very interesting talking to Marion Fader about Giannis because I think Giannis is, is funny because she talked about how he's shy and stuff. I think he's very personable. He's out there all the time, and you see his personality all the time. I mean, there is an Instagram of him like I don't know. I think he was doing something with Oreos. Like he just seems weird. Oh yeah. like he's just mm-hmm. like kind of quirky. Yeah, like he's. I he's out there all the time, and I don't see Luca doing that. So I think that's kind of the thing. If we're comparing Luca to Giannis, we saw really. I think in the beginning it was kind of like, okay, what's this guy all about? And I think we see his seen his personality evolve. And I think with Luca we can see that he's kind of a quirky guy too. Like Luca has, mm-hmm. you know, he gets into it with other players and he just kind of does different stuff. And he's battle tested. I think just him playing at such a hardcore level overseas, um, he has a. I don't know, very unique advantage playing professionally compared to his peers. And mm-hmm. so I think, in terms of his superstar potential, I think it's going to be tough to crack. I think a lot of that goes to marketing and business, just in terms mm-hmm. of how, what he wants to do. I think that's up to him. Um, and just the beauty of, you know, team sports is for Luca, I mean, he could still make tons of money, win championships, and just, not be quiet, just be like Tim Duncan. And right. This is not combat sports where your personality is linked to how much money you make. Um, for Luca, he has just the distinction and the luxury of just being, hey, do you want to have that fame, too? Or do you just want to be a great basketball player? That's the ball's in his court. He can do whatever he wants. But um, in terms of that superstar potential, um, and to answer your question, Matt, I think it will go up um, if he advances to the NBA Finals. Sure. Um, I think Moving forward, I still think like Trey Young. I still think you know even Zach Levine um, just playing in a high octane market's going to help those players over Luca. I think Luca's probably have to do twice as much to get that notoriety, um, just because of you know where he comes from and then the market he plays in Dallas. Despite it's not a small market team, but certainly smaller than you know those other cities that get that spotlight compared to like a Jason Tatum. Right. So. I think for Luca's superstar potential, I think it's going to depend on kind of those intangibles. Look at Joel Embiid. I mean, mm-hmm. how many – he's on the Mountain Dew commercial. We've seen him do all these other things. I think – I mean, hell, you know, bobon has been in a movie. I mean, <laughs> <he's> in, <laughs> I think he's in John Wick. So that's right. So he's been in all yeah. kinds of stuff. Mm-hmm. So I think for Luca, I think that's kind of going to be the things that's going to propel him or keep him, you know – At a certain level, in terms of superstar potential, basketball fans know what's up. I mean, he's going to be an elite player in this league, um, uh, pretty obviously. But in terms of the casual fans, which is honestly what it's all about, in terms of ratings, um, sure, in terms of with LeBron, you know, leaving, we talked about Chris Paul, kind of like that, the garb that we grew up in, you know, in terms of that 2003 draft around and to really when Kevin uh, Kevin Durant. Got drafted. You know, we're in a new phase of the league now. And I think, especially with, you know, what's his name, Zion Williamson being a question mark. I mean, you saw his marketing and whether or not you think he's overrated. He was linked to Nike, linked mm-hmm. to Mountain Dew. He got the cover of NBA 2K. Um, Grant and Luca got the cover as well. But, you know, you saw all those things in succession to propel him as kind of that next phase of the league. Luca didn't get those things. So right. I think it's kind of gonna be interesting to see if those brands get behind him which i think there's a possibility i mean he has a great personality to exploit whereas i think with tim duncan he kind of kept that under wraps and only certain people could see that so i don't think that's gonna be the same thing with Luca. i think he's gonna make take longer but i do think eventually that's gonna translate kind of like a i don't know i don't know a bigger version of dirk dirk navinsky um, if you remember, mm-hmm. like, in the beginning, he was quiet. We didn't know his personality. And then later on, saw right. he's a very funny guy. I think we're going to see that way earlier with Luke, Adam, So,
0: For sure. Yeah, yeah, you bring up a lot of great points there. Uh, I do think with this being a league that's in America, there's just kind of an inherent advantage if you are from America <laughs> that yeah, uh, you go into the league with a little bit of an advantage. I, I do think that's shifting. A bit. And Dirk, you just mentioned, was one of the guys that, one of the main guys that paved the way to that. Uh, A lot of great players, you know, like Tony Kukoc, we've talked about a lot on this show. Yeah, Tony Parker Ginobili. Um, Yeah. Great players. Yeah. That have have also helped pave the way. And Luca really may be one of the first ones that's like legitimately like the top guy or at least a top three guy in the league. Of those talents, um, I think Nowitzki. Even when he was having like his MVP season, there's always debate. Like basically, mm, yeah, you're great. You're having this great year. You're having these these great numbers, but you're not LeBron James or you're yeah. not Kobe Bryant. That's Whereas true. with Luca, I think when he gets his MVP. It'll be maybe like between him and Giannis for the best player of the league, or Jokic, and all those guys are foreign players, right there. Sure. Um, but I, I think the other point you bring up that I like, you know, mentioning Giannis, who's very funny, personable, likable, great team player, speaks highly of his team. A lot of a lot of things that I find refreshing. Um, has not been promoted well in the league. And look at Jokic, too. He's he's like a big goofball. He's very That's relatable, true. I think, in interviews. He's very funny. But also, yes, smaller market, but has not. Uh, I think for a two-time MVP, for the back-to-back MVP, I think there are a lot of households that know the sport of basketball decently well and maybe potentially have never heard of Nikola Jokic in spite of him being back back yeah. MVP and amazing.
1: I'm going to say something maybe controversial um, just popped in my mind because <laughs> he brought up he brought up the Joker and he brought up Luka. And if you take a look at the different guys that have shoes, right, like hmm. from Steph Curry to Kawhi um, to Kevin Durant, LeBron, Damian Lillard, why? I mean, I mean to me, it's. I think it's. I don't think it's a coincidence. I mean, you take a look at. It, you, if you take a look at, Luca, you take a look at the Joker. I. Why is there? Why don't they have a shoe deal? I mean, they. I mean, Luca's a borderline MVP candidate, if not a MVP candidate already. And that might be disrespectful for me to even say that. Um, and then with the Joker, you've seen two time MVP. I haven't seen him get a shoe, like, or even attempts to really market him. I think Mm. that's a part of it. It's kind of those big shoe companies um, Mm. getting behind them. And I just wonder, um, is it because they're foreign players or something else um, that might be at play there? Um, But I think that is what's going to gain traction with, you know, the sneaker culture and on social media is kind of those, you know, intangibles. Mm. And I don't know. I think... Just looking at you know how the league is marketed, you know it's. Let's face it, it's just non foreign players, um mm. and mm-hmm. I think that is that is a factor in all this as well. um So, it could be because even I think even with Giannis to a certain extent, I agree with you. Like even Merit said it, and I, I agree with both of you. And so he hasn't been marketed as great as well. I think there's been a. Big, massive opportunity that's been missed there. Um, but you talk to a lot of just like sneakerheads and just like, you know, what's getting traction online. line. Those three are not mentioned. And arguably, they've been the most dominant players in terms of MVPs, in terms of their stats. And it's just, if the roles were reversed, if it was Trey Young, Damian Lillard, and I don't know, Kawhi, you just switched the roles there. I mean, I think mm-hmm. it would be quite different in terms of the opportunities they've been getting. I In my opinion, so
0: yeah, I also wonder too if some of that just has to flat out do with speed and agility. Like Luca, as amazing as he is, he's not he uh, he's quick in certain ways, sure. Like um, like uh, first step off the dribble type of ways, but he's not like that guy that's going to. He's not like young Jordan, where the dude's like jumping over people and dunking on them. Um, that type of flashy you know whereas a lot of those guys that you mentioned that get those sneaker deals are even Steph Curry like watching us handles is something you could argue is kind of more that traditional NBA sort of flashy Um, Jokic will have some flash and some flair with his passes from time to time same with Luka but it's it's not the same type of I wonder if the shoe companies are thinking like, well, we're not really trying to get you to play. Like, like we want you to think this sneaker is going to <laughs> propel you to be faster, a little bit better at the game. True. Also, a lot of it, of course, being just the look and the style of shoe. Yeah. But um, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's a fascinating conversation. A great point that you bring up. I, I think we could talk about it all night mm-hmm. <laughs> um i do want to get to one more topic did you have any other thoughts on that before no, we move we can on move on
1: no we can totally move all
0: on. right we had the nba draft lottery this week <sighs> on top of everything else that have ha- mm-hmm. has happened right we got to see how the picks will shake out in the nba draft and i say this with excitement because my rockets got the third pick finally we get a little bit of good news uh, this, this whole year, uh, pretty messy year having, I believe the worst record in the league, or we were right there with the Pistons. Uh, <laughs> we have the third pick in the draft to, uh, to, uh, thank for all of that, I guess. So draft order, you guys can see it on the video, but if you're listening on audio, the magic landed the first pick in the draft followed by the Oklahoma city thunder. Then my Houston rockets, the Sacramento Kings are the fourth pick. Detroit is the fifth pick and then pretty much chalk, uh, the rest of the way, but Pacers at six, Portland at seven, New Orleans fun team from the playoffs. They have the eighth pick, uh, the Spurs have the ninth pick. So basically, you know, make sure you, uh, you're still in the lottery and then just work your way up through the playing tournament, I guess. Um, no, but that, that's basically where that lands. Um, wizards kind of disappointing at the 10th pick Knicks at the 11th pick thunder have another pick at the 12th pick and then the Hornets and then the Cavaliers. And that brings, uh, out our draft lottery. So the top three prospects unanimously have been Chet Holmgren. Now the order of those prospects is not unanimous. That's, what's going to be interesting to see play out, but Chet, Holmgren of the Gonzaga Bulldogs, um, Jabari Smith, or is it Jabari Parker? I'm blanking on his last name right uh, now. Jabari I think...
1: Smith, Jr.
0: Okay, thank you. Yeah. Jabari Parker from a few years ago. <laughs> uh, Jabari <laughs> Smith, and um, then uh, Paolo Banchero from Duke. Mm. So those are your top three talents in the draft. Pretty much consensus on them being top three. What's exciting about Houston being the third pick? They don't really get to say which one of those three they will get, but they will get one of them. A lot of people seem to think from from the little bit of the that I've listened to, Chat Holmgren at number one to the Magic um, because of his length, uh, and then Oklahoma City Thunder. Who knows what they're doing? but it seems like most people that I've read and and listened to so far think that there is huge potential for Jabari Smith to go to the OKC Thunder, which would mean Paolo would go to the Rockets just to state my bias that that would be who I would prefer to get uh, of those three players. If I am the Houston Rockets because of his playmaking potentially shown, he has um, a, a wide range of skills and this is a team where I, I think they need like a bona fide leader on that roster right now. They have a lot of talent, so maybe he can he can be that leader. Or maybe Jalen Green grows into that leader. By the way, Jalen Green picked first uh, all rookie team. Uh, just this week as well. So good week for the Houston Rockets. Uh, Justin, your thoughts on the lottery, on who you'd want to get in, in those first three picks?
1: Um, not much thoughts, to be honest. Um, I think what stands out is the Knicks at 11, just to see if they can just build the correct way, <laughs> rather than just overpaying for free agents. So I'm curious what they do at 11. And then um, it's echoing the sentiments of Adam Silver. He was on ESPN and just talking about how the play-in tournament, really, I think you saw teams not trying to tank. Trying to compete, trying to get into those spots, um, trying to just make it really competitive towards the end of the season. Um, so I think that was good to see. Even um, taking a look at just some of these teams here, I know like I think the Magic were trying to be competitive. I know the Kings were trying to be competitive. Yeah, um, and you know I. You know, the Pelicans made the playoffs. You know, you take a look at Cavaliers, Hornets. Um, we don't see – even the Wizards. I mean, I mean we saw just a lot of these teams. We're not just seeing just like, you know, all of these picks just be this atrocious teams. I mean, a lot of these teams were trying to be competitive and at least getting into the playoff tournament or at least being it being a possibility. So that was good to see. Um, in terms of the picks, ah, we'll just to see how it plays out. Um, I think looking at these destinations – I would say Houston's probably the best, even though I know Oklahoma City's been under, like, a massive rebuild. Um, Mm -hmm. So we'll have to just wait and see what happens as we get closer to the drafts. And I'm sure we'll have some draft experts kind of to shed some light just to to see how this is going to play out. Um, I think the Trailblazers is going to be interesting in number seven, um, just because, you know, without C.J. McCollum and Damian Lillard's in question, I mean— You're in a new phase of that franchise. So I think that's going to be very Mm -hmm. interesting to see. Where they go in Detroit at five, you know, with Kay Cunningham, what they're going to do to to pair another um, player with with him, I think that's going to be interesting as well.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, and I'd have to think, you know, with Orlando knocking on the playoffs, I mean, if their players get – Better if, if they improve from last season, there is a, a chance they could be in that play in game conversation Good.
1: Yeah. this
0: next season. Um I'm with you. I think the most controversial prospect would be Chet Holmgren. I don't know if mm. you've seen any highlights of him. Somewhat. Um there's there's kind of this whole like unicorn comparison him with the unfortunately often injured Kristaps Porzingis oh, who was geez. incredible, you know, his first couple years in New York yeah. and even early on in Dallas kind of yeah. started to find it again. Um do you so for me, I mean I I do think he has the highest ceiling of anyone in the draft. So I get the love for him, but I just kind of based on seeing what's happened to other tall, lanky guys like that in the league and guys that are over seven foot like that. Yeah. Um, I, I'm a little bit hesitant. You know, if, if he fell to three, I I'd say at this point for the Rockets, like, yeah, take him for sure. Cause he's got that high ceiling potential, but do you feel the same way? I mean, obviously we're hoping he has a long successful career are you worried about some of those things that that he can't control or um is it is it worth rolling the dice on him like if if you're Orlando's GM do you just go full like this is the top ceiling guy let's get him
1: um I think it's a risk for sure I think you have to take a look at his injury history um Mm -hmm. I think you know look at what's his name Greg Olden And then even look at most recent case. Now, granted, their body types are completely different. But, you know, in terms of injuries, um, Zion, you know, you saw what happened at Mm. Duke when he went down. So, you know, I think just trying to see what this guy's injury history is and just making sure that they're taking the steps to make sure that he's working hard in the offseason to prolong the rest of his career. Because even with Joel Embiid, who was a prime MVP candidate, I mean, he is injury prone, you know. And, mm-hmm. you know, we've seen with a lot of these guys, they are susceptible to injuries when you, you know, get into kind of, you know, the, the higher lengths of th- that position in playing center. So, look, even Anthony Davis, I mean, he's been injured several times um, despite his success. So it is a risk for sure um, when you're taking a player, a player like that. Um, so you have to assess his talent to, you know, his injury history. So this, I think it just kind of depends.
0: For sure. For sure. Yeah. And of course, I mean, in those team interviews, you got to see who's got the best work ethic as far as you can determine in those practice sessions, who has the best mentality moving forward. Those are some of the things that we don't always get to see, you know, as commentators, as we are people given our, given our hot takes. Um, so yeah, it could be a very impactful draft. There's a lot of names out there even beyond those top three, that uh, could be potential diamonds in the rough or just solid contributing players. I mean, Ryan Rossillo just the other day was saying that this may be the deepest draft uh, that we've had in a long time. And we just had a, a very good draft last year uh, already True. seems to be panning out that way. And some folks are saying this draft may be even more loaded. Um, so, Going to be interesting to see if if that really does uh, end up being the case. Obviously, I hope so. I, I hope that that third pick is um, is a killer one. Mm-hmm. But I think for now we got to wrap it up. We got to call it a show. We've covered a lot. Uh, we will definitely come back with some more opinions on the conference finals next week uh, as the playoffs continue towards closer and closer to the finals. Justin, any thoughts before we peace out um, here?
1: Just one more thought on Chet Holmgren. He said yeah. he'd be the um, best player at the NBA in two months once he got into the league. So I like his arrogance. Uh, <laughs> so that that really does show, like, I mean, he likes to talk trash. Um, hopefully he's not dumb enough to think he can't, you know, to work hard and back it up. So I think that's actually a good sign just to see that confidence, especially a player of that height. Um, I think that's really propelled Ruel Embiid. I'm just having because he has a little bit of arrogance as well to his game. So um, I think that's a positive that works in his direction. So.
0: Right on. Yep. Be fascinating to watch. Hey, uh, I hope he's right. I (laughs) I hope he comes in and, uh, you know, gives gives uh, the Orlando magic or whoever it is um, a reason to tune in and Mm -hmm. uh, a shot at, at being in contention. So he's Justin Goodrum. I'm Matt Thomas. We thank you very much. If you made it this far into the episode, thank you so much for being with us, listening, supporting the show. We will be back very soon. New episode should drop early next week. Uh, a great interview that we've yeah. done. Um, and we will be in touch with another episode of in the lab with Hoopsology next week as well. Take care you guys. Peace out. See you later.